to podcast 76 in our series, You Should Have Been There, with me, Mick Webb. And me, Simon Calder. And this week, as uncertainty and confusion continue to reign over foreign travel, we're going to look back with nostalgia at our own first journeys abroad, in the hope that we can inspire you to send in your own experiences. Mine was to Dieppe in northern France, and it was 52 years ago this month. And I was hoping to be there in person. Yes, I was going to head off on Saturday, and unfortunately on Friday, Force Majeure intervened, if you can call Grant Shapps, the Transport Secretary, Force Majeure. We suddenly discovered that having made sense, we hoped, of the traffic light system, red, amber and green, there was a new category amber plus into which france would be put which meant that i would have needed to quarantine for 10 days on my return so that trip was cancelled and instead i am in south london but i'm dreaming about northern france but at least the weather is lovely Uh, my own first trip uh, i'm going to try and trump you was 55 years ago Ah. and um You, as a mathematician, will immediately have worked out that this was the year when we, oh dear, I'm going to say it, we last won a major football championship. And I was in Spain watching it or trying to watch it. But more of that in a moment, because we need to catch up with a couple of tweets. Yes, here's one from Tim Coxon in the wake of last week's podcast about underground railway systems. He says, Boston's T-system, charming, almost like an underground trolley car or tram, I guess. Economical way to get to and from the airport too. I remember you being very impressed with the Boston system too. Unfortunately, still on my bucket list. But closer to home, Ritesh Sutar had a political point to make after you waxing lyrical about the London underground. Wish us peasants in the north could have the same on-par transport system. Privileged few within the M25 don't know how good they've got it. Just shows the north-south divide, the inequality of historic spending and ignoring levelling up. Well, I don't think Ritesh will thank me for pointing out that actually the north of England and Scotland have many more underground railway systems than the south, because I'm counting here Mersey Rail in Liverpool, the uh, Newcastle Metro, Tynham Weir, that is, and the Glasgow Underground. However, together, um, they don't really amount to um, uh, probably even a tenth of the London uh, Underground. So point taken um yes leveling we need more leveling down below ground and uh, many good candidates uh, for that certainly if you look at the centers of um, uh, places like leeds well manchester's got trams but um yeah we could do the a bit of, of, of digging to uh, get those cities moving again i will suggest it next time i have an audience with government uh, whenever that may be well i'm going to suggest it to um Keir Starmer as uh, as a inclusion in the next raft of uh, Labour policies. By the way, did I ever tell you that uh, he went to the same school as me? Uh, you have done many times, actually. Thanks, Mick. And that is a classic example of levelling down. <laughs> Uh, now, I like this comment from Rob Loughton, who said, I thought for a minute that you should have BT was a sponsored tweet for BT UK, um, British Telecom, as it might be. Um, absolutely not. But you try and get a, um, a, a sensible Twitter handle 
with the space allowed. It is our very own Twitter handle and the place for you to send any comments or ideas. Although, of course, you can also send us a voice recording if you'd like to. Uh, we'd like you to. Um, send it to anchor.fm slash you should have been there. You get a full minute to make your point or tell your story. Um, Though I'm going to allow you, Simon, a little bit more time to tell your tale about your first trip abroad to Dieppe. Yes, let me let me place this in time and space for you. It began really quite badly for John Lennon and Yoko Ono. Um, he had driven Yoko to the far northwest of Scotland, a place called Durness, to show where he had his childhood holidays. Unfortunately, he crashed his car and they were taken to hospital, but rapidly recovered. And three days later, Give Peace a Chance was released. A week or two later, Space Oddity was released by David Bowie. And then on the 20th or the 21st of July, depends whether you're counting the time in Greenwich or in Houston, there was the first moon landing. So there was a lot going on, I think it's fair to say. I was 13 and trying to keep track of all this. But between those great events, um, I was able to go abroad for the first time. Now, this was a school trip. It cost £4, which I dare say was the equivalent now of about uh, 50 or 60 but my parents um, uh, found the cash. And it seems scarcely believable. Now, if you look at the map, the nearest bit of uh, France to Crawley, where I was brought up, um, is probably Dieppe in northern France. And as luck would have it, there is a a ferry that goes from New Haven. It takes four hours. And that's the ferry I hoped to uh, catch yesterday to be out there. But um, I couldn't replicate that part of the trip. So a good two and a half hours before it sailed, we had to assemble in the car park in the dark and be put on a bus. Um, we then got there. Of course, no passports or anything like that. You literally, if, as if you were a teacher, just had a list of the children that you <laughs> hoped were going with you. Um, Did you have to have a letter from your mum? No, 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 of course not. No, I mean, we were just four pounds. Thank you. That that was that was all you needed. Um, anyway, the, uh, uh, the, the, the ferry sailed. Um, we, we got to Dieppe and I found the experience absolutely overwhelming. The, the concept of abroad hadn't ever really occurred to me because I didn't think I'd be able to get there. But here we were. Um, the, uh, the the smell of tobacco was, was the first thing that struck me because even though in, in Crawley, of course, everybody smoked in those days, um, they didn't smoke Gaulois, um, these yeah. uh, very, very pungent uh, French, French cigarettes. Bizarrely, the teachers didn't have a kind of plan. They just let us roam all over the place on our own. Um, and I remember going off and finding a bar and thinking, I'm, well, I might be 13, but I'm going to have a glass of cider. I think it's legal here. And I did. And that was lovely. And there's a castle and there's a fantastic beach and the shops and just the absolute jaw dropping wonder of being in somebody else's territory was utterly astonishing for me. Um, and, we somehow, I think, I don't think anybody got left behind. We, we I was going to ask, yeah. Presumably um, they did have a, well, you said they had a list. I, I presume they counted counted you out and counted you back. And where were the teachers, though, in the, in well, the meantime? I, I suspect I suspect um, uh, an alternative um, uh, agenda. 
<laughs> yes, well, they were having a very, very good lunch, which it's extremely easy to do. I've since discovered in Dieppe because, of course, um, the major port, fantastic uh, uh, seafood. And I imagine one reason, yeah, they just they just let us roam free while they went off to a favorite restaurant. I assume they did this every year and it was your kind of um your adolescent uh, uh, coming of age journey. Um, they they went back to the same um, uh, restaurant where Monsieur welcomed them with a, a glass of pastis, and uh, they spent the afternoon there. Um, and uh, probably couldn't care too much about how many how many children came back. But we did all make it home. An incredibly long day because you got four hours sailing back, and you got another hour and a half on the bus and everything. But uh, we made it and. Uh, it was absolutely triumphant in that I just had my eyes opened to the world. And, uh, well, since then, I've been trying to see as much as I can. And I still have a sense of wonder every time I get abroad, although I wish I were there now. However, uh, I will get there again soon. But go on then. You were there three years before me abroad. What happened? Well, it is quite difficult, isn't it, to uh, remember all the details of a trip one uh, uh, undertook 50 years ago, or in my case, 55 years ago. Uh, but what made the most impact on me, a bit like you actually, was the was the smells and also the tastes uh, and, and, and the sounds of, of Spain, uh, rather than the events themselves, because everything about it was so extreme um, in comparison with uh, suburban South London. So the first thing I really uh, recall was walking down a cobbled street uh, somewhere near San Sebastian in northern um, northern Spain uh, and smelling garlic frying in olive oil and this smell it must have been just before supper time which was kind of like about midnight in Spain was <laughs> yes. and and this this smell just kind of came out of every flat all the windows were open there was incredible racket television radio at sort of full volume um and and it was all absolutely astonishing and i i found everything about spain um was equally uh, extreme um the temperature the politics obviously uh, the taste of things like um horchata have you ever drunk that um strange valencian um drink made from tiger nuts horchata de chufas it sort of tastes something like um, chalk with a kind of bit of vanilla in it and is actually really really refreshing uh, on a hot day uh, I, I haven't tried it. I look forward to doing that. But I'm also just picturing Spain in 1966 as being um, still under uh, effectively fascist dictatorship with uh, with Franco. Um, that presumably was was evident. I mean, was, were the uh, were the police particularly visible? Was there? Uh, did you talk to people about the the civil war and 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 the, the scars it had left behind? Well, I went with a friend called um, Gerald Bernstein. And, oh, um, yes, we've, we've, we've talked of him before. <laughs> we have. Uh, I'm still waiting to hear from you, Gerald, and I'm sorry about all the rude things I said before. Um, we were doing A-level at, at, at the time at Reigate Grammar School. Did I ever tell you that uh, that was the school that Keir Starmer went to, by the way? Um, <laughs> and uh, we were studying a Spanish set book, well, a few Spanish set books. Um, most people 
really didn't give a monkey's about the Spanish uh, set book, but I was quite interested. And that was why I actually uh, set out on this trip in the first place. Um, and indeed nearly missed the World Cup final, which I did manage to watch with Gerald, who actually wasn't interested at all, uh, on a very, I think, grainy and flickery uh, would be the word to describe it, television set in a campsite uh, on the <laughs> hill above uh, San Sebastian. Um, and uh, it, I, it, a lot was lost in translation <laughs> from the commentary, including uh, they think it's all over. <laughs> well, it is now. <laughs> and I'm not sure I could translate that into Spanish even today. And to answer your question, we, we weren't really in a great position to um, in, engage people in complicated uh, political dialogue, although I did a couple of years later. And even in uh, 1969, which is going back to uh, your, your, which is going forward to your own um, experience, uh, I found uh, most people who weren't students or sort of under the age of 25, extremely reluctant to um, uh, discuss politics. And indeed, I think the iron fist of, uh, of, of Franco and his various police forces was, was evident pretty well everywhere um but um but what i wanted to tell you about was my first rail journey in spain um partly because i uh, i wrote it down <laughs> and now I, now i'm trying to find it um well yeah while uh, you're looking for it let me just for the sake of completeness explain what happened to spain in the 1966 world cup um uh, so so they didn't make it out of the group stages they were beaten at villa park in birmingham by argentina 2-1 um they then uh, actually beat switzerland um, in uh, Hillsborough, in Sheffield, uh, but then West Germany, who were later to make it to the final, came back from one down to beat them 2-1 again at Villa Park. And um, uh, Spain was, was on its way home. We're on its way home. And of course, things got a lot better for them in subsequent uh, World Cups. But I found my piece of paper now. So mm. um, do you want to bear with me? Do <laughs> Do sort of join in or a oh, um, heckle oh, yes. at any point, really. Uh, right, okay. Um, and you know, you were talking about the kind of marvels, uh, the wonder of travel. I think there's also quite a lot to be said about the the lessons of uh, travel. You know, without yes. being too boring. Anyway, here we go. Um, uh, <clears throat> Gerald, this is Gerald Bernstein. Gerald and I agreed that our six years at a British grammar school had been a good preparation for life under an authoritarian and randomly violent regime. Uh, excuse and me, I'm going to heckle. That wasn't by any chance the same grammar school that Keir Starmer went to, was it? <laughs> How amazing. Yeah. And that tells us a great deal about British politics today, I think. <laughs> well, I think you better ask him about that. And as far as the ethics of visiting Spain were concerned, we both felt that our meagre budget was not going to be of much help to the local economy and therefore could hardly be construed as support for fascism. <laughs> Not that Gerald and I agreed on many things. It soon became clear that we were far from ideal travelling companions. And this was one of the earliest lessons of travel that I learnt, along with the need to first check your diary for vital international football competitions. Choose your companions with care, as the journey will relentlessly expose any weaknesses in the relationship. Never go on trips with anyone you don't love was the advice of Hemingway, and more brutally from the pen of Mark Twain. I have found out that there ain't no surer way to find out whether you love people or hate them 
than to travel with them. <laughs> it didn't work out so well um, with me and Gerald. He wasn't interested in football and he had this constant snuffly cold, which soon began to get on my nerves. And um, so when we uh, decided to leave San Sebastian, we did it separately under our own steams, as it were. He wanted to go hitchhiking and I decided to get the train and we agreed to meet at the youth hostel in distant Madrid. At the ticket office on San Sebastian Station, I discovered that there were two or three different kinds of train to Madrid, amongst which was one called a Rapido, which was a bit yeah. too expensive for me, and something called an Omnibus, which was yeah. absurdly cheap. And I suppose the name Omnibus should have rung alarm bells, but at least it looked like a train. So I got on, finding a space in a crowded compartment, and off we trundled very slowly. My fellow passengers were quite old. Berries and headscarves were much in evidence, and they seemed to be coming from or going to a market. There was a lot of squawking from a basket in the luggage rack and a very pleasant smell of celery and other freshly picked vegetables. I was the subject of much interest. Someone asked him what seemed to me to be Arabic. I shrugged my shoulders, but he persisted and eventually I deciphered habla espanol. Do you speak Spanish? This was not a great endorsement of the teaching at uh, Rygate Grammar School. I don't know whether Keir Starmer did Spanish or not. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, I said un poco, a bit. And very soon, as often happened in Spain, we were all friends. Inglés. Ah. ah, la Copa Mundial. The World Cup came up immediately with some hand-wringing at Spain's modest performance. The woman with the chickens asked me where I was going. Madrid. There could not have been more consternation if I'd said Buenos Aires. Do you know it takes 20 <laughs> hours? You should have got El Rapido. And as if to underline the point, our train, which had been dawdling across some fields, stopped completely, far from any station or habitation, while a handful of people carrying baskets got off and started walking across the parched land to who knows where. In the carriage, my plight was much discussed. I was given food, a huge bread roll in the shape of a torpedo and about as demanding on the teeth, without butter, but filled with hard, pungent cheese. Wine was passed around the compartment in a goatskin butter, from which the men drank with practised dexterity, holding the bladder-shaped thing at arm's length above their heads and directing a red jet of wine into their open mouths. At great risk to my shirt, I joined in. Start close to your mouth and just open your throat up. Don't try to breathe, advised someone with the help of theatrical <laughs> mimes. It turned out to be a surprisingly helpful tip. I was also offered maize paper cigarettes smelling like a bonfire. If you thought Gaulois were, um, were, were heavy duty, these were something else, which I turned down, although there was no escape from the fumes which filled the small compartment, shortening everyone's lives by several years. When the ticket inspector came round, my fellow travellers gallantly persuaded him to change my ticket so that in return what? for a handful of pesetas, I was able to transfer to the Rapido at what? Miranda de Ebro no. instead of spending another 10 <laughs> hours or more on the omnibus. Miranda, on the border of the Basque Country and Castile, is a major railway junction. And who should I see waiting on the platform but Gerald? He had, he had given up on hitchhiking after an hour spent standing in the brutal midday sun. Do you know, the tar was melting, he told me, between <laughs> sniffs that seemed even louder than before. And so our on-off joint journey continued. Look, 
that that's absolutely marvelous not least because the idea in a fascist state of of um the the locals persuading the ticket collector uh, to endorse your ticket to say you must travel effectively on the equivalent of Concord. Um, it's absolutely baffling. I'm assuming that, that that you were a very, very rare species, a kind of backpacker, proto-backpacker, because people simply didn't. If they were going to go to Spain at all, they would be on a pioneering package holiday. Uh, how joyful um how much how much spanish did you speak because when i was in dieppe of course going to a school where they insisted that everyone learnt russian we were at a certain disadvantage or on the back foot as soon as we stepped from the good uh, the good ferry uh well i i i'd got uh, i'd got a grade one or an a i can't remember uh, how it was uh, scored in those days at o level i think to be honest be nine now <laughs> <laughs> yeah well I, but to be honest that didn't really count for very much i i think that um at, at, at a grammar school as as the name suggests and by the way did i no i won't uh, mention <laughs> kia again but um th- the emphasis was on teaching you about grammar and written grammar of languages and not how to speak them. So uh, we didn't really speak very much. But uh, I think I learned quite a lot um, on, 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 the, uh, on the journey. Certainly by the end, I think that the sort of combined pleasures, marvels and challenges of traveling and learning another language had become quite kind of intertwined in my mind and, uh, and sort of rather bit like you and uh, Dieppe, uh, rather sort of uh, set my uh, compass for many, many years to come. Well, whether you first dipped a toe in abroad on a school trip to northern France or on a train, the slowest one in Spain, we want to know about it. You can contact us through Twitter at you should have BT or do leave us a message anchor.fm forward slash you should have been there. Yeah, I worked out that um, you could actually write a 10-line story and uh, uh, read it out and get it into the one minute that uh, Anchor FM um, uh, uh, allows you, but uh, just in case that helps. Or you can send us a haiku, I guess. That would fit. Um, Next week, we are going to be celebrating astro-tourism. Yes, there will be great excitement about the uh, anniversary of the first moon landing. Jeff Bezos of Amazon preparing to go into space in the wake of Sir Richard Branson. We'll be looking at stargazing eclipses and observatories like Greenwich. So until next week, from me, Mick Webb, and me, Simon Calder, goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.